Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Last week, the AFL delivered an apology to the women who work on the boundaries, the fields and between the goalposts of AFL footy. We apologise to any woman who suffers harassment or sexism of any kind and would encourage them to report it to their local club, to their league or to the AFL itself. As we reflect on the round of sport we've just witnessed this past weekend, we take a look at what a day at work for a woman in umpiring looks like and just how bad it has to get before someone does something about it. Hey, before you play this, just a heads up. For anyone who might have little people around, we're talking about things that people yell at female umpires during a footy match, and so sometimes the language can get a little blue. We've beeped all the really bad words, so don't worry. But just in case, maybe pop your headphones in for this one. Get back in the kitchen, you stupid oh, wh- Why don't you let your husband do it for you? That's ridiculous, you stupid oh, You on your period, love. Show us your tits. Imagine this is your every day at work having sexist abuse yelled at you from a crowd of sometimes thousands. That's the reality faced by women who take to the field as umpires every weekend in professional sporting codes across the country. And while we know this happens because many of us have seen it with our own eyes, a new study initially published back in August, but only made public by the Herald Sun last week, showed that the abuse experienced by women in the AFL goes much deeper. The study commissioned by the AFL found that female and non-binary umpires at both the state and community level face sexual harassment not only from the crowd, but from their fellow umpires and their coaches. One of the 26 women interviewed said, I used to receive messages of nudes that other umpires would send to me, and umpires during the games would inappropriately touch me, like when we're umpiring together and things like that. So that's what made me quit the level of umpiring because it was just wildly inappropriate and I didn't know what to do about it at the time. Another said her fellow umpires would talk about her body. I openly overheard a group of guys talking about my boobs at training one night. I was walking up the stairs and I overheard them being literally like, oh my God, have you seen her tits? I turned around and I looked at them and I was like, are you serious? Like, that's what you're going to say? That's what you say at training? And it freaked me out a bit to be like, my God, what do you say as a group behind my back? One umpire said that along with the sexist abuse, she would cop racism too. When I used to run and I was a boundary umpire, a lot of people used to be like, run, run. 
Often, female umpires don't have access to separate change rooms from their male colleagues. Some saying inside those change rooms was like an all-male locker room. It just seems to be particularly change rooms. The old stance of it's a boys' club and we'll go and shower and walk out in a towel, that's not acceptable under any circumstances. Whether it's young boys or young girls, it's not okay. But trying to get it through to them that it's not okay and having to usher women or girls out of the rooms all the time or kids out of the room all the time because you've just walked in in a towel. The AFL's first female field umpire, Eleni Gluftus, wrote the forward to the report, saying how frustrated she felt knowing that young women in umpiring are still facing the same issues she did 16 years ago. She'd hoped things had improved from her younger days, where she had to wear uniforms that didn't fit her had her ability to perform questioned due to her gender by spectators, players, coaches, media, umpiring peers and umpiring coaches. So what does this report hope to achieve? Dr Victoria Rawlings is a former AFL umpire and researcher and a lecturer in the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at the University of Sydney. Her research interests include gender, sexuality, young people, schooling, violence, social structures, bullying discourse and community-led research. Dr Rawlings co-authored the study we've been discussing, looking at the experiences of women and girls at lower league level to try and determine why female umpires were still in a vast minority in the sport. Vic, did you have the same or similar experiences to those in your report when you were umpiring? I feel really lucky. I had about 10 years in umpiring and the last four or so of those I was umpiring at an elite level. So I was identified as an umpire of talent and a woman umpire of talent in a, in a pathway that was specifically about starting when the AFLW started with a pool of women umpires that could develop into that space. In that, I trained really hard. I had an amazing coach who was incredibly supportive. He's actually the co-author of the report. He's super passionate about women in umpiring and he's super passionate about the inclusion of all minorities in umpiring. But in saying that, I was definitely in the minority of people who encountered a really positive environment, overwhelmingly positive environment for those few years. This study is really about capturing more than just my experiences. It's about capturing the kind of culture that operates around girls and women in umpiring. And you can kind of see in that report that there's a whole experience of subjugation or marginalisation or oppression that happens to girls and women in umpiring in many, many different ways. We've focused on things like spectator abuse. But in this study, that was really the last straw. It wasn't really the thing that really got to the girls and women in this study. What really upset them and what really drove them away from umpiring was when they didn't have the support of their fellow umpires or of their umpire coaches. And sometimes when the fellow umpires or umpire coaches actually really put them down in ongoing, deep and really affecting ways. In my experience in umpiring, I had a couple of those moments for sure, but overwhelmingly I felt really supported, especially when I was becoming more elite by my peers. And so that meant that spectator abuse, which happened, definitely not to the level that it happened to some of the women in this study, it didn't really hurt you because you knew that you were in a team and you had the support of your coach and you had the support of your league. So things like that are the things that make a difference. What feedback from the 26 umpires that you spoke to surprised you the most? I mean, you're obviously aware that the AFL 
can be known as a fair boys club and that a lot of that behaviour goes on behind the scenes. But were there any responses that really surprised you? I think there was one account that was the most upsetting to me, which was of a young woman who was a state league umpire. And she had encountered just ongoing, quite traumatic and ongoing neglect of care and some feedback that really undermined her mental health and well-being. And that led to her spiralling in terms of her mental health. And she developed a pretty intense eating disorder, some really problematic mental health issues. I think she was a really good example that coaching has to be holistic and it really has to care for umpires. And one of our findings was that the best kind of coaching that happened was that that looked after umpires in every facet of their lives. It took into account, you know, that many young umpires are are working and studying, they have other lives, they have complex family things that happen. And just like any athlete, coaches that take those things into account and adapt their coaching practices are the best coaches. And that's especially the case around gender. If coaches can take into account gender and the kind of cultural messages that are happening in groups around gender, then it can create a much more supportive environment for women and girls in umpiring. Where do you stand as far as your hope for change at this point, though, Vic? Because we've seen, especially with racism in football, that there's been a big move to stamp it out, but then something else will happen like it did with Taylor Walker and we're thrown right back to the beginning. Just recently we saw Heritier Lumumba say he's backing out of his discussions with the Collingwood Football Club because he's tried very hard to break through and get them to understand racism within the club and they've not come to the party, so they're backing away. When it comes to gender, like we've mentioned, it really is a boys' club and it's a real struggle for people to break through that. Where do you stand as far as your hope for actual change to come after this report? There are significant cultural problems in umpiring for girls and women and I would suggest, although this wasn't a huge part of our data, other minorities, for example, people who don't fit the gender binary or people of colour are facing particular challenges in this space. And so the AFL does have to have genuine attention and investment into how do we actually confront these problems? Because if they don't, there's going to be a continuing problem in umpiring. And I think, you know, the impact that this report has had is that it's got people talking about umpiring, but it's also got people really understanding that umpiring is not a safe space currently for girls and women and other minorities. And unless the AFL really invests in that, I don't see that there's a future for umpiring in in many ways. We're going to continue to have problems with recruitment and participation and to continue to have problems with retention, especially of minority groups. What change do you think needs to happen first? What do we need to do so that we do recruit women into umpiring and keep them safe? Our report has 11 recommendations about umpiring-specific strategies. Part of those are around education. You can imagine, Claire, that you know cultural change is not easy, right? We, we know this from a whole range of areas where we're seeing sexism in action, that cultural change and changing the environment to be celebratory of girls and women is a really, really big challenge. But our 11 recommendations are around finding out how we can engage in coaching for coaches. One thing that a lot of people don't understand is umpiring is very much like football clubs. You have groups of people who come together twice a week to train and then they have a game on a weekend. Can we understand what's going on in those training spaces? Um, Some of our findings demonstrated that when women or girls were promoted to different games or they got particular appointments, potentially going up a grade or something like that, 
the talk around those appointments was sometimes really negative. She didn't deserve that. She's only getting that because she's a girl. She's only getting that because of tokenism. She's only getting that because the AFL is trying to promote women. Now, that's a really complex issue, right? Because it makes the umpire, who's worked so hard and is so excited about getting a new opportunity and potentially has the support of her coaches to do that, makes her feel really, really upset and left out of the group. It can make her feel like she doesn't deserve the appointment, even though she has worked hard and she's devoted her time and energy into umpiring. In one case in our study, an umpire got just a practice match at a higher grade and she ended up apologising to the whole group that she had been given this appointment because the group didn't feel like she deserved it. And afterwards, another umpire came up to her and they said, we think you should know that the group is not happy about this. You know, how does that make someone feel that they can continue in umpiring, even when they're at a really high level? Can we do some really basic things around change rooms? You know, a lot of grounds for umpires' rooms, they only have a very small space, maybe with a cubicle. And some umpiring groups don't know how to deal with that. They think they have to have send the women out. They think that they have to send the men out and it can become really awkward. And some groups don't do anything and people are kind of getting changed in front of each other, which makes multiple people, men and women, feel uncomfortable sometimes. So what's something really easy, which one state had already brought in, was that people go into a cubicle, they get changed and they come out and then they get to all still be in the change room together before and after the game, which is a really important social space. But it's such an easy fix. And so some of them are really easy fixes. Some of them require time and investment and energy. But these 11 recommendations will make a genuine difference to the cultures and social spaces around umpiring. We reached out to several AFL umpires, both current and former, to comment on this story and weren't able to speak to any, either because they didn't want to go public with their thoughts or because they were specifically told not to. We also reached out to NRL umpires who told us off the record that the findings of this study ring true for them too, but they were told not to speak about it due to the sensitive nature of the subject. When this information came to light publicly early last week, it was revealed that the report had actually been handed to the AFL last August. The league has admitted they probably should have made it public back then while developing policy based on its findings. So is Victoria happy with how the AFL has responded? We haven't spoken a lot with the AFL about it, but I think what's really important is that they have apologised to the women in this study and and the women around the country. Some people see apologies as an end point, as the end of a chapter, but I'm hopeful that the apology is the beginning of an initiative to actually make change. There will be some people who say these women have chosen a role that attracts negative attention that umpires, male or female, cop it during any game of any sport and they should just toughen up and learn to get over it. Vic says those sorts of comments say more about you than it does about any woman who chooses to wield a whistle. I'd say that everyone deserves to be safe in their workplace. Everyone deserves to enjoy the sport that they choose to do. And yes, perhaps yelling at an umpire from over the fence is part of the tradition of Australian football. But for anyone who would read this report and see the kinds of things that a particular, it's not all umpires, this is a particular minority group within umpiring, their experiences are unacceptable. And for anyone to read this report and still have that attitude, I think that they fundamentally don't respect the rights of people to feel safe and accepted in any, in any spaces. 
That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Jacob Round. And have you checked out Mamma Mia's podcast for your wardrobe, What Are You Wearing? Recently, hosts Denny and Tam had Lee Campbell from our sister podcast, You Beauty, join them to discuss how she feels about fashion now that she's a mum. Like I was in Glassons the other day and I thought, oops, I'm 40. Am I allowed in here anymore? (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that they were going to throw me out, but you do. That sort of age and life stage does play on you as you dress and it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. For the other mums that might be listening that might feel that their style has taken a back seat over the past few years as a parent who might feel like they're stuck in a bit of a style rut, have you ever been in that place? And if you have, how did you get yourself out of it? Big time. I still am in it. And what I've decided to do, particularly for the winter season, because I hate winter, is I've chosen a look, Mm. a uniform, and then I'm just doing versions of that. Find What Are You Wearing in your favourite podcast app today. 